We're continuing. We're in week six of this series that we're calling God's Love Letter. We're going to continue in the book of Ephesians uh, right up until uh, Easter. And I can hardly wait for our Easter weekend celebration. It's always a a huge weekend for our church, for our community. Uh, I hope you're as excited about it as we are uh, because we, you know, we'll have anywhere on Easter in those two different services, anywhere from, you know, in the past 600 to 800 people. And the only way we're going to have six to 800 people here is if you bring people, okay? And, and here's the deal. We don't want to steal people from other churches, right? They're doing their own work. They're doing their own good. Uh, Easter is a time when we really get to share the story of Jesus and about his awesome love uh, for us. And so I want to encourage you to invite neighbors, friends, co-workers, anyone that you know that doesn't attend church, maybe doesn't know Christ as their Savior, uh, because we're going to introduce them to Him uh, that weekend. And so I hope you're excited, because if you're excited, you'll want people to be a part of that, and you'll want people to come to your church, and you'll be proud of your church. And and so uh, I I just encourage you, invite, 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 okay? And we'll have a a great weekend. Our, Our praise man and our choir has been putting in extra hours uh, working and preparing for the celebration. I believe it'll be powerful as we celebrate our risen Savior uh, in a couple weeks. Anybody else excited about that? Oh, boy. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Well, after three weeks, I, if you've missed any of the last, after three weeks, after the last three chapters, if you missed any of the last six weeks uh, of this series, I just want to encourage you to go back. I think God's, what he's doing is he's preparing ourselves for an incredible celebration on Easter as we've been focusing on uh, God's love letter to the church, God's love letter to, to us here in, in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter four uh, this morning. Uh, it's been exciting to be in Ephesians and be reminded of just how much God loves us and what his love does to change our lives and to make us better, how we're renewed and we're transformed uh, through the, the love of Christ. His love caused him to look down at us. We've seen that we were all dead, right? Paul made a point to say that every single one of us were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and God loved us enough you know, to look down upon us in this dead state and, and to, uh, you know, if we accept him and choose to follow him, he, he basically does CPR on us and breathes the breath of eternal life into our bodies and gives us life and life uh, eternally. Uh, he chose you uh, before the beginning of time to have life and have life more abundantly. And, and, and not only uh, does he want us to know about his love, you know, even as little children, we learn Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, right? We have it as a song in our, in our minds, uh, even as little children. But Paul reminded us that it can't just be a head knowledge that we have about Jesus. We can't just sing the songs. We can't just say, uh, you know, that Jesus is mine unless we have experienced that in our heart. Because once we've experienced that, that's what makes us new. That's what makes us alive. That's what transforms us. That's what makes us different. And I would say, if you're here this morning, you may have a head knowledge of Jesus and be wondering why you've never changed, why nothing seems to be changing in your life or your family or in the the community. Well, it could be that you have a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. 
And so Paul talked to us about how important it is that we have an experience with God and not just a knowledge uh, of God. And then we've, we've seen that because of this great love, we, we've been talking about what he saved us from. And it's powerful to think about what he saved you and I from, but it's also very important that we understand, and Paul pointed out, not only does he love you enough to save you from something, but he loves you so much that he saved you for something. You see, it didn't just end with the work that he did uh, when you were saved, but he saved you for something. And it's his love uh, for us that caused us, caused him to assemble something together that he called his bride. Right? It's because of his love for you that he assembled something that he called his bride, which is the church. Last night I was at a, at a wedding. I was telling someone earlier, I've, I've never been at a wedding experience like the one I experienced last night. Uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. But I remember thinking as, as the attendants were coming down, how, how awesome it was, how beautiful it was. You know, my, my kids were in the wedding. And so to see them, you know, was just really cool. But man, when they opened those doors, it was an outdoor wedding, just a beautiful uh, thing. And they opened some doors they had set up there. And when that bride walked through those doors, I mean, every, every person on that place was smiling. I looked at the groom and, and he was just, you know, he, he was just bubbly, giggly, you know, grinning. And, and, and I was thinking whilst he was looking at her, that is exactly the way God looks at us as his bride, as the church. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think, how, I think we forget how special God views us as his bride and as the body of, uh, of Christ. And, and I'm, I'm obviously more excited about that than most. Uh, but anyway, that was a whole sermon that I didn't even have in my notes. I've got the guys back here in the sound booth so confused right now. They, they don't know what they're doing. But uh, for those of you that have been around here for very long and you've heard in my, in my teaching and, and preaching, I often speak to this relationship with God as a journey, right? As a walk, that we're walking with Jesus. We're walking with God. We're walking together as the church. We're on this journey and we cannot walk together. We cannot be on a journey together unless we're all taking steps, right? I, I mean, for us to walk, what do we have to do? You got to take a step. And, and we've talked about for years and years, there's always a next step for you to take. There's never a stop and rest and get comfortable and, oh, I've reached my destination because if you're here today, you've not reached your destination, all right? Your destination is going to be a casket someday, all right? And so on the other side of that is what's important, and that's eternity. And so none of us have reached our destination yet, and so it's this one step after time. There is always a next step for you to take. I don't know, for some of you, it may be today to become a Christian and ask Jesus into your heart. For others, it may be to, uh, uh, to be baptized. I know a lot of people that have uh, accepted Christ Christ, but they've never taken the next step that the Bible says take and, and be baptized. Some of you need to take the step and uh, next step and join the church. Some of you need to take the next step and start tithing. Robert, I'm going to get to my notes eventually. I don't know when, but I'm going to. But there's always a next step that, for us to take in our journey with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to see Paul speak to this in our passage uh, today that we're looking at. And, and before we get to the scriptures, I was thinking about when, when our, our twins were babies. Uh, uh, Tiffany and, and Dan are about to have some twin girls. And I remember when our boys were, were uh, little bitty babies. And, and uh, wow, that was 20-something years ago. Time flies when you're having fun and changing diapers. 
But what, what is the, what is the, the most, the, the first most monumental thing we look forward to with our babies when we have little children, some of you parents? What's the very first thing we, we look forward to, the milestone? First step. First step. Yes, some, some said sleeping. Some said they can wipe themselves. First step. First step's always a big deal. Wiping themselves is really a big deal after the, you know, after they take that first step, you're like, why don't you just walk yourself right in the bathroom and use it like a grown man? Uh, but, you know, the, the most monumental uh, thing that, that I remember as our kids was, was when will they take that, you know, first step? And, and I can remember, some of you can relate to this as parents, but you think about the process that they go through and, and beginning to take those first steps and how their little bitty tiny hands grab around our fingers, right? And, and we'll pull them up and, you know, they'll be wobbling and, and just, you know, trying to figure out gravity, and, and balance and, and the muscle, you know, getting the muscles all together to be able to do that. And, and, and it takes some time for the babies to get the strength in their legs and be able to connect the, you know, things with the mind to the muscles that, that creates them, causes them to be able to stand. They begin to, as they get stronger, you know, they begin to pull up on things like chairs and coffee tables and things like that. And you can actually see their legs getting stronger as they pull themselves up and do those things. And then when they, their legs finally uh, get strong enough, they decide to, to take those, you know, first steps. Uh, and, and it's like a, a, a bad episode of Live PD. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, they, 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 they just can't make it happen. I mean, they can't put it all together and they wobble and they fall and they wobble and they fall and they fall and they fall and they fall, and they fall right? Uh, trying to learn how to walk. And, and so, you know, it's always a great day to see your child take those first steps. So, so why is that so important to us? Why do we put so much work into it? Why do we, so much encouragement to get them to walk? Why is that so important to us as parents to see our children walk? Well, it means, it means that they're, they're healthy, right? And, and that they're, they're growing and they're, they're becoming, you know, these little people that we know they can become. And so we're excited about seeing uh, those things. And what a blessing it is to be able to walk. And if you can't walk or you've ever experienced a time in your life uh, when you couldn't walk, you know what a blessing it is to be able to walk uh, on your own. And, and think about what it takes for us to walk. I read a, a deal recently that says it takes over 200 muscles in our bodies to all working together at one time for us to take a step. Like over 200 muscles. I don't know if that's true. I, I read it on the internet. So anyway, but, but you know, it, scientists have described, and, and I read this description. I love it. They describe walking like this. It's nothing more than falling forward and catching yourself over and over and over again, <laughs> right? Because literally that's what you're doing. You're, you start falling and then you catch yourself, right? With every step that you take. And so, you know, your body's weight shifts forward to the point that it's getting ready to fall. Your foot goes forward, catches you. And so when you look at the way that God has designed us, isn't it amazing that we can walk at all? I mean, you know, to think about everything that has to work together for us to be able to walk and take steps, it's incredible. Your, your feet are shaped the way they are for a particular reason. Your, the way your legs work, the way the joints and your knees work, the muscles, the tendons, the cartilages, all of that has to work, you know, in concert together. You know, God shaped them and built them. 
uh, in a way that they are because our body was made for walking, for being on a journey, for traveling. And that is also the way that he built his church. Okay? That's the way that he built his church. He didn't build us to just sit around. He didn't say, you know, he built us and he designed the church for walking. He designed the church for work. He designed the church for this journey. And just like with our little bitty babies, one of the very first things that we have to learn how to do is learn how to walk. And that's what Paul is talking to the Ephesians about this morning. He begins this section of his letter to them and to us by teaching us, hey, first things first, first thing you need to do, excuse me, is learn how to walk. And so as we continue to uh, uncover how much God's lo God loves us through this love letter, this morning, let's do this. Let's just picture yourself wrapping your hands around your father's fingers, right? You got that image in your mind? Holding dad's fingers this morning and learn how to walk the way that he wants us to walk. And in order to do that, we're going to see uh, three steps See what I did there? Three steps. We're going to see three steps or points or whatever you want to call them, walking the way that Jesus called us and created us to walk. First one is this. First step to walking in the call that Jesus has for us, we'll see, is a worthy walk. It's a worthy walk. Look at how Paul starts out here in chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, don't miss that, urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. All right, Jesus calls us to a, a worthy walk here. Paul reminds us that, that we're to walk a, a worthy walk. And, and, and it, it, I think it's kind of interesting to see uh, where Paul is when he's writing this letter. And we haven't really talked about this yet, but Paul was in a Roman prison as he's writing this letter. One of the, the uh, uh, what scholars say is, is, you know, the pinnacle of Paul's writing, some of the best writing that we see recorded in the New Testament. He actually wrote and recorded while he was a prisoner uh, in Rome at the time. And, and, and I've, I've never been in prison, unlike some of you, but one of the worst things, and we're glad you're out and you're here, uh, but one of the worst things about being in jail, I would think, now, I, again, I don't know, but I would think one of the worst things about being in jail is that you can't move around free right you can't go where you want to go uh, when you want to go you know you're kind of confined to wherever they want you to be at that point in that time uh, you, you you go when the guards tell you to go and you stop when the guards uh, tell you to stop and Paul is in prison here and he's confined right and, and he couldn't just walk around wherever he wanted whenever he wanted matter of fact some scholars say that Paul more than likely was probably shackled to the guard that was keeping watch over him. Uh, but even though he's confined from freely walking and being able to freely go wherever he wants to go, he's telling his readers here how important it is to have a, a worthy walk. He tells them to walk worthy to the calling that they have received. Now, the King James Version says to walk worthy of the vocation that you have been called to, right? Walk worthy of the calling, the job that you have been called to. This vocation or this calling that, that Paul speaks of is what he's been talking about all throughout these first three chapters uh, of Ephesians. We're called to, to think about it. We're called to recognize Jesus for who he is. 
We're, we're called to recognize him for, for what he's done for us. We're called to recognize our sin, right? We're called to recognize our sin and our sinful nature and to turn from that and to call on him for forgiveness. That's what he chose for us to do. We're called to turn to him in faith, believing that he is who he says he is and that he's done what, he's, uh, what he said he did. We're called to unite with other believers. We saw this last week. We're called to unite with other believers in order to strengthen one another. This is what we've been called to do. We've been called to do a work. We've been called to build the kingdom because we learned last week the kingdom, building the church, is what God is trying to accomplish on this earth right now. And so as followers of Jesus, we've been called to a job. We've been called to a vocation. And so now Paul is saying, you know, walk worthy to that. Walk worthy of that calling. Walk worthy of that vocation that you've been assigned and, and you've been given. Uh, there's a, we talked about the ninja Christians last week that are slipping in, slipping out. Nobody knows their name, you know. Nobody knows what, who they are, and, and they're not really involved in the church. Would you say that's worthy of the call? When he's called us to build the church and build up one another up and be encouragers and serve and do all these things. Ninja Christians aren't living a life that's worthy to the calling that we've got on our lives. It reminds me of a, a conversation that I had uh, with our boys one time. And I, I call it a conversation. They would probably refer to it more as a lecture. Um, or daddy yelling, uh, one of the two. But some of you probably have had sim similar conversations uh, with your kids before in the past. But I was talking to, to the boys about the importance of their name. I, I believe with all my heart that one of the most valuable things that you have is your name. Your, your name. I, I, I was telling, that, that, telling them that their name and the reputation that is associated to that name is one of the most valuable things that they will ever own on this earth. The, the reputation that is associated to the name. And then I went on the rant that, you know, and by the name, by the way, your name is Thrasher. And here's what we do and what we don't do is Thrashers. Thrashers are not lazy people, okay? Thrashers always work hard. Thrashers, you know, always do a good job. As thrashers, we respect other people, we respect our elders, we respect our teachers, we respect our administration at school, oh, by the way, and we respect our, our government leaders. You know, as thrashers, this is what we do. So here's the deal. Because you're a thrasher, I don't want you to forget who you are. Because right now, you carry my name. And if you, do, if you destroy the reputation of my name, then here's the deal. If you're not going to live the way thrashers live, change your name, please. Right? I don't want to be associated with you if you're going to be lazy or whatever, yada, yada, yada. And, and that's kind of, you know, what I believe Paul is saying here. Remember who you are. I told my boys, remember who you are. You're a thrasher. Paul's saying, you know, I think instead of saying remember who you are, I think he's saying remember whose you are. Remember who your daddy is. Remember who your father is. Remember the name that you're carrying in as Christians. We need to remember whose we are. We carry his name. He chose us before the beginning of time to be in his family, to adopt us, to accept us. As, you know, before he even created us, he chose that we would be in his family. We didn't choose him. 
before the creation of the world. He chose us, and, and, and so he called us for his use. He called us to bring him glory. He called us to be a part of his family and to do good works. He called us to live like him. He called us to be like him. He called us to walk worthy of carrying his name on this earth. Whew. I'm going to preach Easter. I'm just getting ready for Easter, okay? I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning because we can never be worthy, okay? We can never be worthy of what God has done for us or what God has given us, but that isn't what Paul's saying here. He isn't telling us to be worthy. What's he telling us to do? Walk worthy. Carry his name. <laughs> Walk worthy. Walking is one step at a time. It's falling forward and catching yourself over and over and over again. It's walking, it's a process, it's a journey, it's, it's not a destination. And so, you know, don't miss this. It's a day-to-day -day struggle of becoming more and more like the person whose name we bear. And if you call yourself, to, call yourself a Christian, whose name have you taken? Christ. Right? To be a Christian means that we are Christ-like, that we are His. So we're carrying His name as Christian. Walk worthy of the name, Paul says, that, that you carry. And, and so the question has to be, are the things that we do uh, first as a church worthy of carrying the name of Jesus? I believe every single thing that we do around here and every suggestion that we make to our board and, and, and as a staff, everything that we do has to be worthy of carrying the name of Jesus. It has to be about that being his and carrying his name. But I would ask more on a more personal level this morning, is the way you walk worthy of the name you hold? And I believe Jesus would be kind of like I am. Do it or change your name. <laughs> you know, be this way. I believe that's the reminder Paul wants us to get. Walk worthy of the name that you hold. The first step to walking with Jesus is a worthy walk. The second step, I believe, is a, a disciplined walk. Look at, at verse 2 and 3 here. Paul says that we're to walk with all humility. We're to walk with gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So Jesus calls us to a a worthy walk. He calls us to a disciplined walk, and discipline isn't something that you and I like to receive, is it? <laughs> oh? I mean, none of us ever said, oh, mommy and daddy, please discipline me. I mean, you know, none of us did that. None of us really want to be disciplined. We don't want to receive uh, discipline. And as a matter of fact, we were talking about this in our, our small group a, a few weeks ago, but if you discipline your kids in public these days, somebody's liable to call the police on you right? I mean, my, how times have changed. You saw a kid back in my day throwing a fit in Walmart, you about to watch a kid get a whipping, huh? Nowadays, you're, the parents are afraid to discipline their kids out in public because of what people may think or say or, or, or call the police. And, and I'm not advocating child abuse here, okay? I, I'm not. Uh, any reasonable person knows the difference between abuse and discipline, and there is a difference between the two. Oh, I almost went to Greenbrier School past week, but I won't go there. But there's a difference between discipline and abuse, and it's not barbaric. 
I won't go there. I said I wasn't going to go there. I'm not going there. It reminds me of a story. I thought, I thought last night as, as I was watching this wedding unfold and someone said that a carriage with a horse was going to bring in the bride, but the horse got a bad foot, so they just brought her in an old, old car. But I, I heard this story one time uh, about this, uh, this uh, couple had gotten married and the, the husband had planned this really special honeymoon and, and uh on the honeymoon, he had, he had arranged so there would be a carriage and a horse there, and he was going to, you know, drive the carriage and take his, his new wife on this ride and really make a special moment. So, you know, they're going along there, and apparently the, the, the horse is a, a little skittish. Uh, for those of you who don't know what skittish is, it would be nervous. Uh, but anyway, the horse is, is uh, easily startled. And so they're riding along there and a piece of paper blows across in front of the horse. And, you know, it startled the horse. The horse, horse bolts, takes off running. You know, the groom's trying to get it all under control. He finally gets the horse under control. He looks over at his new bride and he says, that's one. And, you know, and then uh, just a little bit further down on the ride, uh, a horse, uh, horse, a rabbit jumps out, spooks the horse. The horse freaks out again, takes off running. The, you know, the groom gets the horse back under control. He looks at his bride and he says, that's two. You know, they go a little further. The horse gets startled again, bolts the whole deal. He looks at his wife. He says, that's three. He pulls out a gun. He shoots the horse, kills it dead right there. She's appalled. She cannot believe that her husband would do such a thing. And she's looking at him going, I cannot believe you just killed that horse. That is the most inhumane thing I've ever seen anybody do in my entire life. He said, that's one. <laughs> I just love that story. I don't know why. I may tell it again next week. But seriously, you know, any, any reasonable person knows that there's a difference between discipline and, and abuse, right? Uh, we, we know that. But, but why, do, why is it that we discipline our children? Why is it that we discipline them when they're young? What's, what's the point of disciplined children? Well, it's so that when they grow up, they'll be self-disciplined, right? It's an important part of the process that we experience discipline in, in our lives. Matter of fact, there's a direct correlation between kids that don't receive discipline when they're a child and, and where they end up later in life. And so discipline is an important part of the process, the teaching process. And, and so they'll have self-discipline. Paul is calling on us here to have self-discipline. He's saying have a, have, for us to have a disciplined walk. And then he tells them what that looks like, right? And he gives us five characteristics, uh, five areas that we're to be disciplined in. He says first to be humble. And humility is not just something you have or don't have, okay? It's something that you have to work at. Being humble is something you have to be aware of, that you have to work at, at being, something you have to discipline yourself to have. When you're humble, what, what do you do? Well, a humble person will see other persons, some, other people's wants and needs before they see their own. See, that's what a humble person does. They'll, they'll see the needs that other people have. They'll see, you know, the load that the other person is, is carrying and want to help them carry that, that load. Sure, a humble person, they have their own desires. A humble person has their own opinions. But you will put your opinions and your desires aside to bring about unity. 
and, and to bring about love. And we're not only to be humble, but Paul also says that we're to be gentle. And, and gentleness is always evident when we're humble. I believe it will always be a fruit of being humble. And, and I would say this this morning, gentleness is not a weakness. A lot of people think that being gentle means you're weak. I heard someone say it like this, gentleness is strength that is under control, right? Gentleness is a strength and a power that is under control. It's kind of like a, a saddled horse, right? Is every bit, uh, you know, as much powerful as a wild Mustang, right? They, they have the same power. They have the same strength. They have the same abilities. It's just that a saddled, uh, broken horse uh, is powerful, is useful, right? It, it's under control, the strength and the power of the horse can be effectively used to accomplish the will of his master. And, and like the horse, some of us are harder to break than others, right? Some of us are just harder, harder to break, and, and it takes discipline, and it takes work in, in order to do that. The next characteristic that we see here is patience. And I've heard people say time and time again, don't ever pray for patience, you know. Uh, but, but I think it's interesting, the King James Version uh, instead of saying patience here, it uses the word long-suffering. Long-suffering. What is, you know, what, what is long-suffering? Well, the idea behind long-suffering means that we should be able to suffer a long time. Right? That's what long-suffering is. It means that we should be able to suffer for a long time without letting it affect our attitude or our demeanor or our unity right? Long suffering is when we can praise God, no matter what our circumstances may be. All right. That's what it is. Whether you're healthy and wealthy or whether you've lost everything, like we see in the book of Job in the, in the old Testament. And I, and I'm not standing up here today telling you that this is easy to do because I of all people know it's not. I struggle with this. I struggle in these areas. It's difficult to do. It does take work. It does take discipline uh, in your lives. And, and the fourth area that Paul mentions here is bearing with one another in love. All right, and I think sometimes we just kind of read over that and we think, you know, that's an easy one. I, I, can, I, can, bear, <laughs> I can bear certain people, right? And I bear them in love. Well, you know, this would be easy if we were humble. This would be easy if we were gentle. This would be easy if we were patient. But again, it's, it's not easy. It takes discipline and we have to work at this uh, because here's the deal. Sometimes our pride breaks through, right? Sometimes our pride uh, breaks through and that's when we need someone to bear us up in love. Uh, sometimes we might lose our humility or our gentleness or, or worse yet, maybe stumble in sin. Uh, that's when we bear one another up in love. It's when we're walking with someone who is struggling in an area. And, and so we come along beside them and encourage them and hold them up. And instead of condemning any, any other, what a, what a concept in the church, instead of condemning people and kicking people when they're down, well, what if we realize that we're susceptible to the exact same things? You know, I've seen people before that would point at people and condemn people and say, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe, you know, that, 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 they, that happened in their life, that sin or whatever it may be. And they point, condemn, and judge and all that. And then I've seen people years later, those same people that were judging someone else fall into the exact same trap, right? Because we're all susceptible to the temptation. We're all susceptible to it. So we, we bear one another up 
when we stumble, we bear one another up when, when we need help and we build them up by holding them accountable and loving them. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about tolerance here. You know, the scripture's clear that we don't, you know, tolerate sin. So I'm not, I'm not preaching tolerance here. This is not just about being friendly. This is an idea of, I want you to picture it like this. This is the idea of you carrying someone else. As the church, this is what we've been called to do. Carry one another. So picture yourself carrying someone else, you know, and, 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 and we can't pick each other up if we're putting each other down, right? And, and so think about this. If you're carrying someone else, if you're carrying someone else, who are you not focused on? Yourself, right? You're all about trying to get them help. You're all about trying to get them to their final destination, right? And so the focus is on them. It's no longer on, on you. And, and, and I remember we've got a, a, a team that's over in Belize right now. They got their Friday or Saturday uh, construction mission trip. Uh, they're building, uh, uh, always working on Nazarene schools over there, adding classrooms and doing all kinds of work. Uh, it's a great opportunity if you ever get a chance to go. I remember the first time, no, it wasn't the first time. It was the second time I went over there, I believe. I don't remember which time it was, actually, but I just remember it was hot. It's hot in Belize. And so uh, some of you may have been on this trip with us, but um, we had gone. We had taken the afternoon off one day because it was so hot and we worked so hard. And so we went to uh, this swimming hole. They said we were going to a swimming hole. And so, I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. We're in the middle of a jungle. But we, from the road, we make our way down this path, and it's, you know, it's not an easy little hike to get down. There's rocks. There's places where it's steep. There's places where it's hard to walk. We get down this place, and they open up, and it's like we're in the Garden of Eden. I mean, it's an absolutely unbelievable place. There were all these waterfalls and these little pools of water, and it just went forever just down the side of this mountain. This is most, one of the most beautiful places that, that, that I've ever been. And so we're there, you know, just cooling off. There are other people that are not part of our construction team that are there. And, and uh, but while we're there, there's a lady that is there swimming with her family, and she slips on a rock, a wet rock. She slips, falls, hits her head. She hits her head on the rock, and, and she is obviously in very serious condition. She's not conscious. Uh, you know, we just know we got to get her somewhere for some help. And so someone there had one of those big beach towels, you know what I'm talking about? And, and so we laid this lady on this towel, and uh, several of us men gathered around that towel. Each one of us got an edge or a corner of that towel, and we began trying to, to, to get her out of this area that we had come down into. And there were rocks. There was, you know, it, it wasn't an easy way out. And, 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 and I don't even remember, you know, the... The, the journey out as much as I did when we got her out. You know, we're, we're focused on her. We're trying to keep her from getting further injured. You know, we're trying to get her up to a road where an automobile can take her and get some medical attention there. Uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. And when we got her there to the road and, and got her loaded and, and kind of stepped away from it, then I began to notice that I had, you know, some cuts on me. I had some scrapes on me. My back was beginning to tighten up. I had muscles, you know, that were spasming. My fingers were, you know, uh, having muscle spasms because we were gripping that towel, trying to keep her up off the ground, you know. And I began to notice all this after the fact. And, and you know, I, I never noticed any of this while I was carrying her, right? 
I never noticed it while it was going on because my focus was on her. And I believe this is what Paul is, is talking about here. Because if I'm helping to carry someone else, I'm not going to be focused on me. I'm thinking about the person that I'm trying to help. I'm thinking about the person that I'm trying to carry. Can I just stop right here and call time out? Who is it that you're carrying today? Because when you're helping carry someone else, your focus will be off of you, your problems, and all your issues, I promise you. So who are you carrying today? And sometimes that takes discipline. Sometimes that takes uh, hard work to get our focus off ourselves and, and on to others. Uh, but let me tell you something. That's the kind of love that brings glory to God. It's that kind of uh, attitude. It's that kind of love that God showed to us, isn't it? We've seen it as we've looked at how much God loves us. This is exactly the way that he loved us. It was a selfless love. It was a self-emptying love. It was a self-sacrificing love that he had for you and for me, the love that Jesus showed when he took on the form of a servant. It was the kind of love that he showed as the sacrificial lamb that went to the altar and shed his blood for our sins and our iniquities. That's the kind of love that, that we're talking about that in turn we are to show others uh, uh, around us. We must discipline ourselves to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear one another up uh, in love. The, the final part of our discipline walk that Paul points out here is that we're to keep unity and peace. Uh, we must work harder at keeping unity. We must be more diligent at bringing peace to a world that doesn't want to be peaceful, right? It's not just something that we pray for and it happens, all right? Don't get me wrong. You know, we should pray for it, but to bring unity and, and peace also requires discipline and work and, and hard work sometimes to, to bring that about, the kind of hard work that only the Holy Spirit can enable us and empower us to do. We just can't sit back and hope that unity happens, Right? We can't just sit back and hope unity happens here in the church. It, it takes work. Uh, uh, it, it will only happen if we continue to work at it. And that takes work and it takes discipline. So Jesus called us to a worthy walk. He called us to a disciplined walk. And then he's going to speak a little more. This third and final step we see here today is this. We're to have a united walk. All right, a united walk. I want you to look at verse uh, four, verses 4 through 6. Look at what Paul says. He says, there's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I believe Paul's speaking us, to us here about being one. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? I mean, he uses the word seven times here in this short passage of Scripture. Right? Do you think he's trying to make a point? You, you, do you think he's trying to get the point across about just important how important unity is? Huh? It's very important. And, and I, believe, I believe that everybody wants unity. Um... Even people who aren't Christians, I believe that they want unity. So why is Paul putting so much emphasis on unity in this letter to us? Because here's the deal. Everything about our Christian faith, don't miss this. Everything about our faith in Jesus is about one. 
one church, one spirit, one Lord, one God, one Father. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. Only one way to be saved. <laughs> right? And one faith, baptized by one spirit into one body. This church that we talked about last week and looked at last week. And if we, as his body, if we as the church, if we aren't unified, then think about it. We're no longer one. If we're not united, we're no longer one. And Paul knows that this is so very important to what God is trying to do in the church and in our world. And if we aren't one, we're basically doing what? We're taking the name of the one true God and we're tearing it apart. If we're not united, we're taking the name, the one name of the one God, and we're literally tearing it down. God is one. And because of the blood that Jesus shed, we are made one as well. And once we stop becoming one, we're not one with God. Okay? Once we stop becoming one, we're not one with God. We're separated. We're divided. And can I just say that the church of all places should be a place that is not divided. Christians of all people should be doing their best to encourage unity and peace in the world that we live in. A Christian should never be, a, be creating a situation or an environment that would cause division. Hello, Facebook. Some of you need to just cancel it. Huh? I've read your junk. You're causing division. Paul says we're to be one. We of all people ought to be one. We're promoting oneness. We're promoting unity, promoting peace. And if anything you are doing or saying is not promoting peace and unity, then question your motives. Remember last week we talked about the dividing wall, that partition that, that, that separated? It was torn down. Amen. It is gone on purpose for a purpose. <laughs> There's no longer division. We learned last week there's no longer division, but only unity. And Paul needed the Ephesians to understand this. He needed us to understand how important this is in the church and in our community and in our world today. This is our calling. This is our calling. We are, we're, we're called to a worthy walk. We're called to a, a disciplined walk, and, and we're called to a united walk. Listen, I think there was a song about this, but we were made for walking, Right? We need to make sure we're doing just that. As the church, that we're walking the way and, and, and that he intended us to walk. And Paul gives us a great lesson here in how we've been created to walk and how we've been called to walk here in this passage. And I, I believe that we all need to take a personal inventory to see if the way that we're walking lines up with the way that God has called us to walk. That the way we walk is the way that he would have us to walk and that he, the way that he's invited us to walk with him. And, and man, I, I just think this is challenging. It's challenging for me because there's a lot of this in here that I struggle with. And, and so my prayer is for you. My prayer is for our church is that we will walk out of here, that we won't get comfortable with who we are and where we are and what God has done, but we'll understand that it's all about the journey and none of us have reached our destination. And so we'll walk in ways that 
are worthy to the name that we carry. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for our church. Because once we do that, people will see Jesus and their lives will be changed for an eternity. Let me pray for us. God, again, I thank you so much for the promises that we find in your word, for the hope that we find in your word, the encouragement that we find in your word. But your word is also sometimes kind of like a surgeon's knife. Sometimes it kind of has to cut and remove and change things uh, in our lives. That's all part of the journey. That's all part of the process. But God, I pray that we would never find ourselves uh, in a point in our relationship with you, in a point as a church that we stop walking, that we stop taking the next steps. And God, I, I believe that every single person here this morning knows exactly what their next step is because you wouldn't ask us to take steps if you didn't define them for us. We may not know what the steps are 10 from now, but we know exactly what it is that you're calling us to do right now and what that next step is. So I pray today that some folks would be obedient and they would be faithful to the step that you're calling them to take and that every step that we take, that, that it would be worthy of the name that we're carrying, the name of Christ, what a glorious name. God, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to walk with you on this journey to be able to share in this journey with you here. But someday it's going to end up in a place around a throne room. And God, it'll be so much better then. And so we love you. We thank you so much. I pray that as we go out from this place that people would see you, not us. And that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.